Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good to see everybody. You've probably seen me, and I haven't seen you, because I usually have the big Dodger ball behind me. I was going to wear a, uh, like a jersey up here or something so that we wouldn't forget about the beloved Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, and our signing of Pujols, yes. So it's good to see everybody. I, I wanted to show you, too, this, this is uh, the original pulpit that was the great, no, the grandfather of our original founding pastor uh, founded a church called North Redondo Chapel. And uh, Pastor Richardson, way, way back, uh, and this was his pulpit that he preached in. And I thought, let's bring that out here. Plus, I don't want to be dropping all my papers because I am, like, really bad at that. It's the only reason I don't have my Bible up here, too. I got them all in my notes, so you're not, it's not avoiding the Bible. I uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, right off, off the top. But uh, mostly it's for my own comfort, so I don't knock everything over like uh, I usually do. It's also good first time teaching in a while where I don't, I'm not looking at a green light and my face looking back at me. So that's a real welcome uh, pleasure to see everybody else's faces instead. So I just wanted to take it all in for a second because it feels good. feels good to be with each other. And even if it's in a new way, that's okay. It's better than not being together. I'll tell you that right now. Because as a people person, I'm starved in the midst of, uh, if, I don't ha if I'm not in the midst of people. So it's good to be together. So last week, we had uh, our granddaughter, Carlin, over at our house. I might be fading in and out here. i got to be right on it. Um, and... Uh, she spent the night, so like most folks, you know, we have a baby cam in the room watching her, right, when she goes to sleep and stuff. And so, <laughs> so we hear on the baby cam, she's singing and putting this little one of her baby things to bed, and she's, <laughs> she's dancing around the playpen, all these different things, right? And uh, I wondered, you know, if when the disciples saw Jesus praying... I wonder what that was like to them, because we were like, wow, this is amazing. We love seeing her just dancing around in the crib and whatnot. It's fantastic. I wonder what they thought when they saw the passage we're about to talk about today, John 17. What did the disciples think of seeing Jesus talking to his father? We'll find that out. But let me ask you one thing as we get started, what would be different for us if we believed that we were valued, highly valued by God? If we just like took that in on a regular basis, that that was like our first thought in the morning. You're highly valued by God. You're highly valued by God, right? What would that be like? I mean, we know it, right? But Believing it on a regular basis uh, inspires a whole new way of living, doesn't it? So let's get into God's Word together and see if we can stir that up in us. 
I would tell you a little bit about uh, John chapter 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, they call it. Uh, but it starts all the way back, even in John chapter 13. It goes from 13 to 17, is the, called the last discourse that Jesus has with the disciples. So think about where that might start. Where would yours start? If you were going to give a message to your people, and then you were going away forever in their minds, you start with washing their feet. Very strange <laughs> dynamic, right? That's where it starts. In John chapter 13, he washes their feet. In John chapter 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He tells us that. In John chapter 14, these are important lessons he's giving them at the last time when they're about to go. John 15, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Love each other. Implying that we can't truly love each other unless we're truly abiding in Jesus. And then John 16, the Holy Spirit is going to come live within you. And you'll have peace in me. And guess what? you're going to have a ton of trials and a lot of sorrows and a lot of difficulty. But I have overcome the world. So we arrive at John chapter 17, where Jesus prays his pr final prayer for his disciples, and it goes like this. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. For you've given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought you glory on, here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Then he says, I've revealed you, your name, who you really are, is what he's talking about, to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours, and you gave them to me. Theologian D.A. Carson said, Christians often think of Jesus as God's gift to us. We rarely think of ourselves as God's gift to Jesus. I was talking to Richard about that just before we started up here, and I was like, man, just saying that is a mind blower. Going on to the scripture, it says, and they have kept your word. Now, Jesus is obviously seeing something that we don't hear, right? Because we always think about keeping his word is like, uh-oh, you know, we, we have to do everything and keep all these laws and rules and regulations and all of that. So he's obviously seeing something, and he said, they've kept your word, and one of his words was to love one another, and to love others, and to love you, and apparently they were doing that. He speaks in faith, because he sees things that we don't see right now. That's the way Jesus is. He sees you so valuable, and we don't even see ourselves that way a lot of times. Now back to the scripture. 
Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I passed it on to them, that message that you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe that you sent me. Then he goes on to pray, and this is what uh, Delilah read earlier. My prayer is not for the world. So Jesus is praying, and he says, it's not, it's not just for everybody. It's for my people. But for those you've given me, because they belong to you, all who are mine belong to you, and you've given them to me, so they bring me glory. And now I'm going away, departing from the world, and they're staying in this world. But I'm coming to you, Holy Father, and you've given me your name. Now, protect them by the power of your name. So remember what we talked about the name was. It was not just his name, but also his character, who he is, who he is as a person. You don't know somebody just by hearing their name, right? You, but if I were to say, and if I were to describe Delilah, and it was nothing like Delilah really was, you'd know that I don't really know Delilah, right? But when you see her and you know her, you know all the attributes that she has. And that's the same way with God, right? So he says, you've given me your name and now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of your name that you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures talked about. And now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with joy. I wonder if that's our definition of walking with Jesus, if we ever think about that, that being filled with joy was what Jesus, when Jesus told us these many things, it would fill us with joy. A lot of times we don't live like that. We don't live with that overflowing joy, right? And I've given them your word, and the world hates them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. So, just reading through that, there's three things that come to mind for me. Um, one is that God is amazingly great. How he does this whole transaction thing, I'll never understand. But he says, on the eve of the disciples' greatest despair, because you know they've got to be petrified hearing that Jesus is going away. The one that they care about, they love so much. I've lost several friends over the last I don't know, seven, eight, ten years, and it's heartbreaking, and it's difficult, and it's hard to reorient yourself after that, especially, you know, if you were close. How do I spend my energies? Where am I going to tell these people about my inner, innermost thoughts, right? Who am I going to talk to now? Things like that. Well, Jesus commits them to his Father in prayer, and he knew that his father was enough to protect them from the grief and despair that they were about to experience. 
And Jesus' whole come from in this prayer was that God's purpose was being fulfilled. Just as he had planned it, ending in what looked to be complete disaster for Jesus because he's going to die on a cross, but God. God had an end that Jesus knew about, but God. Richard and Val and I have conversations about this very phrase when we talk about our lives and um, how they could have taken wrong turns and sometimes how they have taken wrong turns. There's always a phrase that goes along with those turns, and it is, but God. Right, Richard? Amen. And I want in to, that, in that idea of but God, I want to tell you what God says about you. What Jesus is talking, when he's talking to God, he's actually saying you are amazingly great to God. Not only is God amazingly great, but you're amazingly great to him. He values you. How many times do we tell our kids how highly we value them? I mean, I think it's relatively often, but how many times do we hear in, say, a week or a month or a year how highly we are valued? Us, you know, the adults who are trying to keep together and trying to bring our kids upright and all of those things. How often do we hear it? So, let me tell you how highly you're valued. And bear with me, because this is where it's going to get loud. Um, God's thoughts toward you are more numerous than the sands on the seashore. Okay, let that sink in just a bit. Picture yourself down here at Seal Beach, Long Beach, and looking along the beach at all the sands on the seashore. God's thoughts are more than that toward you. God rescued you from an eternity without you, without him. He rescued you. God saw you alone and in despair, because that's where the scripture says we were, and brought you to himself. That's nothing. I got 20 of these. Romans 5.8 says, While you and me were in the midst of, in the process of sinning, Jesus died for us and paid for us and promised a place for us. Who can come up here right now and share a testimony of how he has rescued you? I bet. <laughs> That's my point. Think about the times that he rescued you. And be ever grateful because he keeps saying, I rescued you because I care, because I love you, I want you. And the reason I think we need to hear it almost shouted to us is because we don't hear it. That's all. <laughs> I want us to hear it. God loved you and gave himself for you. Yes, you collectively you, but also individually you. He made you. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
we are called according to his purposes, not our own. He wanted us. It's rarely the other way around about how we talk about how much we wanted God. He wants us. Jesus sings over you. Scripture says that. I'm giving you these things. I'm not giving you the verses next to them, but I'm telling you. They're all there. He sings over us. He rejoices over us with gladness. He chose you. He doesn't condemn you. He forgives you. He upholds you. He chooses you over and over and over and over again. If God didn't spare his only son, the scripture says, but gave him up for us all, won't he with Jesus graciously give us all things? That's what the scripture says. He refuses to leave you. He refuses to abandon you. He is always with you. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the child of her womb? And then he says this, and you know, our, our obvious answer to that is never, right? That's never going to happen. And then he says, even if it did, I will never forget you. Wow. Wow. It's almost to the point of lunacy how much he says that he loves us and in oh so many ways. Now, after hearing those things, and in Jesus' prayer of bringing, the, bringing us to God, he kind of does this, right? He brings our hands together, and he says, hey, I'm going away. You have access to the Father. He tells us, you have access to the Father, and this is what the Father thinks of you, like I just read to you. That's what he thinks of you. So when you're running away and thinking he doesn't, when you're doing wrong things and you think he doesn't, he's constantly there saying, hey, hey. I want you. I want to be with you. So what do we do about that, right? Knowing those things, how does that motivate us to be any different, right, in life? How do we do that? So Jesus said, I'm glorified in them, and this is, what it, this is basically what it means to be a believer, to be born again, a true follower of Jesus, having him glorified in us, right? It's about setting ourselves apart to God and that's an amazingly good thing so God's amazingly good right God's amazingly good he thinks you're amazingly good and setting ourselves apart to God is an amazingly good thing it's just like when you choose the person you want in your life and you love them and you care about them and you say, I, I'm setting myself apart for that person. Well, Jesus is saying, yeah, that's what I want. Let's do that. Apostle Paul made it clear that we have a similar call and duty. We're like living letters read by the world to make known the name and nature of God to a walk, watching world. And Jesus doesn't want to just live or dwell in us, but to be glorified in us, that he would be known through us. Paul said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. He wants joy to be fulfilled in our lives. The fullness of joy. 
Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So seriously, though, what does that even mean, right? In the past, I always felt like it was defined, like being a believer, it was defined by what we don't do, right? Which is kind of silly, because it's really not defined that way. It's really defined uh, by who we know and how that reflects into our being and how we're different as a result of who we know. Living and abiding in Jesus' presence means we hear from him and we respond to him. So let me give you a couple of examples of that, the idea of how Jesus is glorified in us, right? So there was a, we were at church one Sunday, and I think it was Sunday. It might have been a day in the, during the week one time. It was long ago. And there was a woman who came forward, and I knew her. She was a friend of ours and uh, had been going here for a while. And she was having demonic visitations. She would see every morning she'd wake up and she'd see spirits coming out of her nose and eyes and things, crazy stuff, right? And, like, I'm, I'm sensitive enough to spiritual things, but I don't feel like that's my forte, you know? And so, uh, so she was just asking for prayer for that. And so, um, so I laid hands on her and prayed for her. And I, did, I don't even know what I prayed. I mean, I can't remember what I prayed, right? I just prayed in faith. I just trusted God's going to do something. The next week, she comes flying into church telling me she had not had anything like that ever since we prayed and all these things are happening right for her and she's drawing close to Jesus and all these things are going on and I didn't really do anything that any of you wouldn't do right the same thing we I didn't do anything spectacular but something happened because when we act in faith God does things so my encouragement to you my first encouragement to you is act in faith Take those steps. The second is, uh, this week, these are all from my life, and then I'll share some other things about good things about uh, others and how they've done the same thing. But um, this week I was feeling pretty crappy most of the week. Um, It was tough to work, but I was like plowing through it, and good thing I was working from home. Um, I was unsure of what was happening and really feeling down, because for me, when I'm feeling physically down, I'm discouraged as well, right? And then, of course, I'm preparing this message at the same time, so just bring the cacophony of nonsense, and uh, there it is. So, uh, so that's all happening, and, um, and so I, I was preparing for that message, and I'm, I happen to be reading a, the biography of Pastor Jack Hayford of Church on the Way, and uh, in Van Nuys, and the biography was writing something about Pastor Jack speaking in tongues when he didn't know what to pray, like it says in Scripture. And I hadn't prayed in tongues for a long, long time, and uh, maybe years, I don't know. And I felt encouraged. I felt like, do that. It was like that little thing, right? And so I did, and somehow, like, I just experienced some tremendous strengthening this week, and that I can only attribute to God and just being responsive to that prompting. And the third is, a, uh, Andrew and I and um, Rodney got together uh, not long ago. And when we were leaving uh, the Andrew's house, we were talking. And I just felt impressed to, you know, let's, let's pray. Let's, let's pray for them. And then I just didn't do it. You know how that is? You ever do that? No? 
I guess all you guys respond, okay. <laughs> you can finish the message for me. Anyway, uh, so I realize afterwards that we get opportunities, right, to do that. And sometimes the opportunities pass, um, but that's okay because we get more opportunities. So I think that we, we see that when we avail ourselves to God and are sensitive to what's happening around us, um, that's when we are availing ourselves to God, right? So let me tell you a couple things that happened this week. Um, George Morales sent me, you know George, um, he sent me two things this week while I'm in the throes of this not feeling well and being depressed and all that. He sends me a message by Eric Marsh of, uh, of Parkcrest Church about how doing the right thing doesn't mean that everything is necessarily going to turn out the way you want. So there's our, that's our, when you dedicate yourself, when you commit yourself to God, when you set yourself apart to God, it doesn't always look like we think it's going to look or hope it's going to look. That's okay. That's okay. So he also sent me a scripture verse, John 14, 27 about how Jesus gives us peace not like the world does so I just appreciate the fact that he was sensitive enough to just send it away because he felt like God was putting that on his heart the second was Jamel Weston um, regularly sends me uh, worship clips from some of his favorite whoa, favorite worship leaders and they're always so timely the last one he sent were two songs by Phil Thompson, one of which was called My Worship, where he sings this. No one can worship you, God, for me. So again, the value of you before God is unlike the value of John or Barb or Vanessa, right? It's different, and it's good. It's amazingly good. Seems to go back to that second point about our specialness, though, doesn't it? So the point I'm making here is that these men have busy lives. They have families, and they're sensitive to God. They heard or felt an impression from the Spirit, and they responded. They acted. The more you act on those impressions and encouragements from God, the more others realize their value to God. So did you get that? The more you act on those impressions and encouragements from God, the more others realize their value to God. I was talking to Richard earlier, and, and uh, he said to me, he releases us from our chains to make us a chain. So we have another chain to another person to give them life. So if I could uh, define that idea of setting ourselves, uh, setting ourselves apart to God, I would say um, it's being... It's being willing to be made willing, if we aren't willing. <laughs> and holiness, being set apart, is not a cold thing. It's actually a warm. And Pastor Jack once said that about holiness. He said, God is warm holy, <laughs> not cold holy. So, let me give you uh, some exercises of faith for this week. 
for you here today, I want you to do this before you leave today. Um, doesn't have to be fancy or long, but step out in faith this morning and go pray with somebody, for somebody, okay? And don't ask them what they want you to pray for for them. You just give it some space, pray for them. Because you'll really get by their response that, oh, that was exactly what I needed. You'll see it. And then the second thing is this week, be intentional and be sensitive to what God is speaking if and when he does respond to that. That's your other thing. So I want to hear some stories next week about that. So at the beginning, I asked you a question. What would be different for us if we believed we were highly valued by God? I think it would lead us to a deeper set-apartness, if that's words, set-apartness, for him. Something that leads us to be intentional toward God and intentionally caring toward one another. So, why don't we do this? While Vanessa gets ready and comes up here to uh, do that, I'll pray. And then we'll pray together. So right after I pray, go ahead and pray for that person that's around you, okay? Jesus, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Let us hear from you. We trust that you want to be glorified in and through us. And others will see that and glorify you. May Jesus, may you be lifted up. We love you. Amen.